You probably don't have to think very long about that question. This segment of the population is rapidly growing in our country. There's much being written today about this. Uh, In a recent book uh, that was just published three weeks ago, titled The Great Dechurching, Who's Leaving, Why Are They Going, and What Will It Take to Bring Them Back? Um, I've, I've been... I've been convicted uh, by the writings in this book. Authors Jim Davis, Michael Graham, and Ryan Burge begin their opening chapter with these words. I wanted to share them with you this morning. They write, in the United States, we are currently experiencing the largest and fastest religious shift in the history of our country. As tens of millions of formerly regular Christian worshipers nationwide have decided they no longer desire to attend church at all. These are what we now call the de-churched. About 40 million adults in America today used to go to church, but no longer do. Which accounts for around 16% of our adult population. For the first time in the eight decades that the Gallup poll has tracked American religious membership, more adults in the United States do not attend church than attend church. This is not a gradual shift. It's a jolting one. That's the opening paragraph to this book. And that got my attention. According to these authors, this jolting reality is this. More people have left the church since the year 2000 than all the new people who became Christians from the first Great Awakening, the second Great Awakening, and all the Billy Graham Crusades combined. And that's a significant number of people. I think it's very interesting and it's very relevant. We need to consider this as a church. But what does it have to do with Acts chapter 16? That's a good question. Let's look at our text this morning. Um, Last week, at the end of Acts 15, we read about a famous breakup in Scripture. Paul and Barnabas had been friends and ministry partners for over 15 years. All of Paul's early ministry happened together with Barnabas. Years of exciting ministry in the church at Antioch, all of what will become known as Paul's first missionary journey, the victory at the Council of Jerusalem, all of that happens together. It was Paul and Barnabas, side by side. However, due to a sharp disagreement about whether or not to bring John Mark On the second missionary journey, the two men choose to part ways. That was last week. That was at the end of chapter 15. This morning is the beginning of a new chapter in Paul's ministry, Act chapter 16. And what will this new chapter of Paul's ministry look like? Here's the thing. When you read these studies, there are many reasons why people are leaving the church. 
But one of the primary reasons is due to what has been called church hurt. And it ranges from just not feeling much love in a church to having very negative and painful experiences in a church. And I, and I want to say this as one who serves in leadership here at this church. If you're here this morning and you have experienced what's being called church hurt, if you've been hurt because of a negative and painful experience at church, then I'm very sorry. Perhaps you've been hurt by a negative and painful experience here at Southside. If you have, then I'm very sorry. Our mission statement here at Southside is because of Jesus, we seek the lost, we equip the saved, we celebrate God's grace, and we embrace the hurting. That's who we're trying to be here, are people who embrace the hurting. As the old saying goes, the church is not a museum to display perfect people. Instead, it's a place where the hurting find healing. And that's who we want to be here, a place where hurting find healing. You know, my dad was a full-time minister in churches for more than 50 years. And I've been in a full-time role for almost 25 years, and so... I've seen a lot. I've, I've, I've seen the underbelly of the church, so to speak. And I'm familiar with the flaws, and I've seen the hurt. I know the wounds are real. There are, there are people who have good reasons to leave the church, to walk out the door and to never come back. And so, as I've turned the page from Acts 15 to Acts 16 this week, it's just caused me to pause. I don't know. I just haven't wanted to jump right back into the text and keep going. I've kind of had to catch my breath a little bit and to decompress because of what happened between Barnabas and Paul. Because it's just messy, and it's disappointing. These two great leaders in the church not being able to get along. You know, ever since I was a kid, I've been taught that the church is not about a steeple, but it's about a people. And that's true, right? We all know that to be true. The church is not a building. It's not a certain denomination. The church is where two or three people are gathered in Jesus' name. But the reality of that truth is steeples are beautiful and nice to look at. But relationships with people can be messy and disappointing. So, what do you do when you have experienced hurt in this way? How do you respond? 
Instead of becoming a statistic and choosing to join this growing population of de-churched adults in America, why should someone who has been hurt by the church give the church a second chance? Well, with that question on my heart this week, here's how the text today encourages me as I've thought a lot about it. Following this sharp disagreement with Barnabas, Paul could have very easily walked away. Now, I'm not talking about leaving the faith. I don't mean that. But he could have said, enough is enough with the church. Pastors and ministers are leaving the church today at a higher rate than ever in the history of America. And Paul could have done the same. After all, he's put in 15 years of service. He's given a lot to the church. You know, he could have just gone back to tent making and made a nice, quiet life for himself. But that's not what he did. And as we turn the page from chapter 15 to chapter 16, what we see is Paul give the church a second chance. So in my lesson today, I want to attempt to just pastorally answer the question, why would someone who's been hurt by the church choose to give the church a second chance? We're going to look at three reasons this morning, and I want to talk about each one of them with you. First, give church a second chance because of your need for community. Give people a second chance. That's reason number one. Everyone needs a second chance. I have needed second chances. You've needed second chances. And so a group made up of people who have needed so many chances clearly needs a second chance. Now, I am not suggesting that you give the church where you've been hurt a second chance. Perhaps, but I would need to know more about the situation. That would be a case-by-case scenario. But what I'm saying is this, give church a second chance. In other words, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Paul and Barnabas ended a 15-year relationship because of a disagreement. Paul could have decided right then and there to be done with mission partners. Why spend so much time and energy anyway trying to put a team together? Why does he have to have a partner with someone else on a mission? After all, we talked a little bit about this last week. Paul's a very type A, driven, laser-focused personality. He's kind of a lone ranger type anyway. Without a mission team, he could do this thing on his own, make his own decisions, pave his own way. But even the lone ranger had Tonto. And that's lost on everyone younger than me. Google it, kids. Even the Lone Ranger needed community. You see, we're made for community. It's how we're made. It's in our DNA, our God-given DNA. 
is made for community. Just like God made us to need oxygen in order to live, God made us to need community in order to live. How long do you function well holding your breath? It's a good analogy for how long we function well without community. We're going through the Torah on Wednesday nights, the first five books of the Old Testament. And we were talking about this just a couple of weeks ago in class. There are two creation accounts in Genesis. There's a good creation account in chapter 1, and there's a not good creation account in chapter 2. If you recall, in chapter 1, God makes everything and pronounces it good. He makes this, it's good. It's good, it's good, it's all very good. However, in chapter 2, God makes everything, and we learn of something that's not good. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18 says, it's not good for the man to be alone. Now, does that mean that God had created something that was not good? No, it just means he wasn't finished. Because you see, community is the crowning achievement of God's creation. Community is the crowning achievement of God's creation. If we learned anything from COVID, it's that we don't function well in isolation. We need community. We need one another. As messy as community can be at times, we are worse off without it. When we don't have it, we feel emptiness, we experience loneliness, it affects our physical and mental well-being, and it impacts our spiritual health too. You know, it didn't work out for Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark, but that didn't cause Paul to give up on people. He didn't decide to become a Lone Ranger Christian. No, he recognized his need for community, and so he formed a new ministry team made up of Silas and Timothy. What's interesting here is most scholars think this was a model for missions in the early church, to go out with a partner and a protege. And the first trip had been Barnabas and John Mark. We know how that ended. But because of his need for community, Paul didn't get rid of the model. Instead, he chooses to give it a second chance. He partners with Silas, and then he adds Timothy. He recognized his need for community and gives people a second chance. Now, your response to my first point might be, well, I can find community in other places than the church. And I would say, you're right, you can. But this brings me to my second point. Second, church, give church a second chance because of the life of conformity. Give the process a second chance. Give church a second chance because of the life of conformity. Give the process a second chance. Allow me to explain. Earlier this summer, I came across the best definition uh, that I've ever come across for spiritual formation. It was by author Robert Mulholland. Here's what he wrote. 
Spiritual formation is the process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. That's in your sermon notes. Uh, But man, what a great definition. Spiritual formation, the spiritual life, is the process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. Do you hear what he's saying? Did you catch it? Now, I've, I've always been taught that spiritual formation is the process of being conformed into the likeness and image of Christ. So nothing new about that part. But it's how he ends his definition. Let me say it again. Spiritual formation, the spiritual life, is the process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. Did you get it that time? It's for the sake of others. You see, it's not the process of being conformed to the image of Christ for God's sake. And it's not even the process of being conformed into the image of Christ for my sake. It's the process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. That's a powerful definition of the spiritual life. And when I say give church a second chance because of this life of conformity, that we have to give this process a second chance, it's this life of being conformed into the likeness of Christ for the sake of others that I'm talking about. This concept is what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when he wrote, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Paul says we're given the Holy Spirit for others. Let me repeat that. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We are given the Holy Spirit by God for others. So, if the Lord has gifted me in any way to preach His Word, it's not for my sake, it's not for His sake. Instead, it's for the common good. It's for others. It's for the sake of others. And so let me say this even in a more direct way. The spiritual life is not just about Jesus and me. Instead, it's about Jesus and we. It cannot happen in isolation. I am unable to be conformed into the likeness of Christ for the sake of others all by myself. And if you you understand this principle of of the spiritual life, of spiritual formation, that each day I'm being conformed more into the likeness of Christ for the sake of others, then you'll, you'll get what's going on in our text today. This text here at the beginning of Acts chapter 16, uh, it's caused quite a bit of controversy through the years because Paul seems to do the exact opposite of the decision he made that was made at the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. If the decision was that you do not have to be circumcised, 
And one of the primary reasons for this second trip was to let everyone know about this decision, then why did Paul have Timothy circumcised? You know the best answer to that question? It's for the sake of others. Not to please others, but it's for the sake of others. In fact, listen to the text. In verse 3, Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area. It was for the sake of others. This decision had nothing to do with Timothy's salvation. This decision had nothing to do with pleasing God in some way. This decision had everything to do with those they would be sharing the gospel with. He did it because of the Jews who lived in that area. He did it for the sake of others. We've learned Paul's pattern on these missionary trips. When he'd go into a new town, he would first go to the synagogue. And the fact that Timothy was not circumcised was going to be a problem. You see, this decision has nothing to do with salvation and everything to do with ethnicity. Timothy lived in a gray area of this whole debate because his mother was a Jew and his father was a Gentile. Judaism was traced through the mother, so having a Jewish mother made Timothy legally Jewish. However, it was always the dad's responsibility to circumcise their boys, and Timothy's father was a Gentile and uncircumcised. So because of his mother, Timothy was legally a Jew, but because his dad was a Gentile, he had not been circumcised. The decision at the Jerusalem Council had stated that Gentiles did not have to be circumcised. But the decision didn't deal with the question of Jews who were not circumcised. There's always exceptions to every rule, right? And people always get distracted by the exceptions to the rule. What about the thief on the cross? You can't sit down and talk about conversion with somebody without them going there. We go to the distraction. So, Timothy was circumcised to leave the gray, ambiguous distraction, this area that he was in, clarify that he was a Jew, follow Jesus. Let me ask you this morning in that manner, in that light, what are you willing to do for the sake of others coming to know Jesus? That's a good question, isn't it? Timothy was willing to do quite a bit. To me, this act of Timothy shows a remarkable willingness to do more than for the sake of others to to come to know Jesus. So what are you willing to do? Are you willing to be moved outside of your comfort zone a little bit? Are you willing to do some things differently than you've always done them? 
You may not be willing to do something for your own sake, but what about doing something for the sake of your neighbor, for the sake of your coworker, for the sake of your classmate to come to know Jesus Christ? It's for the sake of others. Look, you can find community elsewhere. But the church is the only group of people who are participating in this life of conformity and to the likeness of Christ for the sake of others. And then third, this third reason is give church a second chance because of the outcome of charity. Give the possibilities a second chance. Because of the outcome of charity. I've always liked the word charity and how it's used in the old KJV Bible. I don't know if you've spent much time uh, reading through the King James Version, but I love when I've, had, when I've read through the King James, I've loved their use of the word charity. Um, and the way it's used in the King James Version, it doesn't mean giving a donation to help the needy. That's not what it means. If you're familiar at all uh, with the KJV, then you'll know that the word is used on several occasions in the New Testament. And here's how it's used. The Greek word agape is translated as charity when it's used in reference to Christian love toward fellow Christians. So agape can be used of God's love for us. And there it's just translated as love in the King James Version. But when agape is used as one Christian's love for another Christian, there it's translated as charity. Agape is the highest form of love. It's it's selfless, sacrificial, servant love. And when the church happens well, then charity's the outcome. And it's the only group where you can experience this kind of love because it's modeled after Jesus. It happens only through the power of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 13, 34 through 35, Jesus teaches his disciples to love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. You love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. You know, our love for one another is our best possible evangelism. Loving one another as Christ has loved us is plan A for the church. And there's no plan B. Whenever, we've, whenever the church has steered away from that plan is where the church has gone bad. Plan A for the church is to love one another as Christ has loved us. It's this charity. It's this selfless, sacrificial, and servant love. And as difficult as Paul's relationship had ended, the hardship there that he had ended his relationship with Barnabas and John Mark in Acts 15, he did not give up 
on the possibility of charity, of finding this outcome again. And he does so when he meets Timothy. He finds it when he meets Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, he calls Timothy his beloved son in the faith. It's that word agape. Philippians chapter 2, he says, Paul says, I have no one else like Timothy. Timothy becomes Paul's closest friend and ministry partner. Paul could have entered this next chapter of his life as a Lone Ranger Christian. But then he wouldn't have met Timothy. And after all, there's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christians because even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Does anyone remember what Tonto called the Lone Ranger? Kimosabi. You know what that means? Faithful friend. Faithful friend. Paul didn't give up on the possibility. He gave church a second chance, found a faithful friend in Timothy. Why should someone give church a second chance? Because of your need for community, because of the life of conformity, because of the outcome, charity. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this lesson this morning. I pray, uh, Father, that it has fallen on, um, on a hurting heart. That's been my prayer this week, is that someone who's been hurt by relationships and the messiness of the relationships, um, I pray that this message, this lesson has encouraged them. Father, we're thankful. Um, we're thankful for the church. We acknowledge um, that because the church is made up of sinful people, that it's imperfect. But we trust, we trust that you are the head, Jesus, of the church and that you are returning to make us all whole and to make us one. And so until that day, we commit to do life together. Give us your strength and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. When you come in faith and submit your life in baptism to Jesus, as your Christ, you join a community of people called the church who have made this same commitment. And we are not a perfect bunch. Oftentimes it gets real messy, but we're in process. We're in the process of conforming into the likeness of Jesus Christ for the sake of others.
and the possibilities, the possibilities for this church is to be a group of charity, a people who love one another with the highest form of love, who love as Jesus loved us. May we be that this week, church. This morning, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, come as we stand together and sing.